Welcome along to Feature Length, the film podcast with Richard Newman and Seth Mason. Today, film reviews. If you've seen Never Let Me Go, we'll attempt to bring happiness back into your life. We try to decipher some of the words Jeff Bridges is trying to say in True Grit, and I imagine we'll see Seth attempting to cover up seeing the new Justin Bieber 3D and inverted commas extravaganza as a work exercise for the pod. We'll also take a look at the other films currently on release, including the writing debut for Simon Pegg and Nick Frost in Pool, and look ahead to the Oscars this coming weekend. Before we get going, a quick reminder to follow us on Twitter at Feature Length, and you can email us, featurelengthpod at gmail.com. Your comments are also very much welcome on iTunes and the Podbean site as well. As we record this pod, it's a good afternoon to Seth Mason. Good afternoon, Rich. And you've been doing a bit of schmoozing in the last, since the last podcast. You've been on the red carpet for the BAFTA Awards. Uh, you know, you're just you're hanging out with the stars. You just make me sound so professional. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there's me watching on TV and there's you hanging out with the stars. That's just crazy. Okay, reviews then. Let's start with Paul. Mm. Uh, so Simon, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, and they, they've never written anything together before, have they? Like, not no. actually as a collaboration. No. And does it work? Um, it works for the majority, yeah. Right. Um, it's a very simple story. It's just, you know, these two friends, sort of geeks, uh, going on a big road trip around America, hitting the big sort of alien hotspots. And uh, while they're doing this one, one evening, they come across an alien. And that's, and that's played by Seth Rogen. And that's voiced. voiced by Seth Rogen, yeah, who is actually the funniest I think he's ever been. Really? In it, yeah. Um, There's a bit of motion capture there as well, isn't there, apparently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There started. was a bit of motion capture, um, a little bit in pre-production apparently, and then mostly it was just sort of the voice and animation. Uh, but he's, I mean, he was in The Green Hornet a few months ago, and that just completely, I completely lost my faith in Seth Rogen after that. Um, I was never a massive fan, but he, he was funny in... in some things he's done in the past, uh, mainly obviously knocked up. Um, but yeah, even though he's not actually seen here, he's the funniest he's been in a while. He's got a great, not not even a cliche. I mean, the sort of you know the wise cracking outsider kind of character. It's a bit, it's a bit cliche, but at the same time, it's sort of it's quite well done, and it's you know it's quite kind of subtly moving by the end of it when when you know things start to heat up a bit. And it's it's funny the way all the way through, isn't it? It's funny most of the way through. I mean, it's quite an interesting one. It's the past, especially Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, very, very British humour. Are fans of, of Shaun of the Dead and, and Hot Fuzz going to enjoy it? They'll, they'll take away some of it, yeah. They'll, they'll enjoy quite a bit of it, but it's, it's a very Americanised version. Right. I mean, obviously, the setting's America. Every big... I mean, a lot of the film is sold on the fact that it's got these big cameos, these big appearances. It's got Jane Lynch, who's Sue Sylvester in Glee, who's probably... She has some of the funniest lines. She's only in right at the beginning, right at the end, very shortly. And she's got some really great lines. You've got Sigourney Weaver, obviously from Alien. She pops up. It's sort of it. All that kind of fits in with with the with the fact that it's sort of a big love letter um, to kind of nerds, which is who Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are. I mean, they're very you know they're very unashamed. You know, this is our thing. We've loved this since we were little. This is kind of what inspired us to make things like Paul. Um, and as well as it being quite Americanized, because obviously a lot of the films there they're trying to you know pay homage to you've got Close Encounters in there you know right at the beginning E.T. completely sort of you know Paul is sort of looks a bit like a kind of laddier version of E.T. <laughs> um, and you know in amongst there you've got Star Wars references and everything so it's very much a sort of American homage 
to American films that just happens to have these two British guys in it. It's a lot gentler, the content, than, say, Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead, where you've got this, you know, ex uh, extreme kind of violence or whatever, and just this really kind of, you know, really spiky moments, which are actually quite funny. And certainly fans of them are going to kind of be looking out for that. It is very noticeable that Edgar Wright has nothing to do with it. I mean, quite often they worked as the three, obviously, starting out, you know, sure. spaced and... And now he's gone from this. They're writing, you know, it's a it's a completely different person directing. It's a bit like um, space. It's kind of lost its edge a little bit. No, no, not. like an American version of Spaced. Um, not really. With an alien. No, 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 it's okay. kind of just. I mean, it's a good film, as Far I say. It's quite. It's a nod to people who love all the alien movies, and it's got all these different people from American comedy. You've got Jason Bateman, who's been in all sorts of movies, and mm. you know, Arrested Development. Uh, Kristen, and that just says another thing about it. The lead actress in it, Kristen Wiig. Uh, is from Saturday Night Live and she's very funny she's very good and I think that's not going to be a, you know British audiences aren't going to have a problem liking her but I mean you know to sort of sell this in America this you know she's a massive deal on Saturday Night Live mm. um, so I think it's kind of just a little bit I mean a lot of there's a big argument do people go to America and sell out and it, especially seeing as they've written it it almost looks as if they kind of want to sell out which is a shame but I mean it's a fun film it's good it's entertaining it's a bit more sugary than what they normally do, but it's, yeah, it's it's good. It's worth seeing. So just finally, it's a bit sort of borderline on the verge of selling out, not not quite, and it's, Probably, and, and, it's yeah. and it's entertaining enough. I'd say for the safe sitting on the bench answer, which I'll take in this case, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, okay, the next one I'm going to move on to um, is um, Justin Bieber. Now, because I don't... Okay, it's half-term week yeah. this week mm -hmm. um, across the country, and so we've got lots of films coming out for the kids, things mm -hmm. like Justin Bieber... Um, Yogi Bear, Romeo and Juliet, and all those sorts of things. And so, why why is there a, a Bieber biography documentary? Well, because I don't understand the Bieber thing. No, by the well, way. I mean, have. put it this way: Jonas Brothers flared up. They made a Jonas Brothers movie. Miley Cyrus flared up. They made a Miley Cyrus movie. Both of those are kind of a bit, you know, they're kind of a bit old school now. The kids, this is in the 3D. kids have What's moved on. So were they. Basically, I don't know, What's I was expecting kind of the hair to swish out and you sort of lean back or something. Okay. But I mean, it's literally the odd, I mean, it's a mixture. It's a kind of documentary looking at um, the Bieber phenomenon, Bieber behind closed doors and kind of concert footage, really. Right. <laughs> I'm sure Bieber behind closed doors is fascinating. Yeah, I was about to say, you yeah. see him playing with his little, you know, action man or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I mean, quite a lot of the stuff, obviously, is very staged, very sycophantic. There's only one moment that actually made me just cringe in just disbelief. How many, okay, before we move on to, to that moment, if yeah. I was, if just to compare this to, to me, you've got a bit mm. a lot more open-minded about Bieber. Yeah. If it doesn't mean, I how much would I cringe? Even if you don't like Bieber, it's an interesting story. And yeah. they do kind of, yeah. Made and famous they on YouTube, isn't he? Yeah, he was famous on YouTube. He was found completely on YouTube. Right. As they'll tell you to sort of varying degrees of honesty in the documentary. Um, and then Usher got involved, Usher found him, quote-unquote, you know, discovered him, and then he made from there. So he wasn't like a, a packaged, I mean, you could argue he's been packaged now, but he started off literally being discovered on YouTube. So it's quite an interesting story. How did that come about? How did, you know, this little kid from a small town in Canada become, you know, the Bieber? Right. You know, because I know you're not a believer. I'm not a, I'm not a Bieber believer. So what was, what is this cringe moment? Oh, well, it's not going to ruin anything. There's a bit where he goes home, he has a little break and he goes home and he's just, you know, hanging out with his friends and, and you know, hitting his old hotspots. And he's at this cafe where he um, where he used to do a lot. He used to busk a lot outside. Um, they've got all this, you know, archive footage of that. And there's just a little girl there just, you know, playing away on her violin. 
And you know what you like if you're watching someone playing, you know, on the, you know a busker or a, you know, a, a station or whatever, wherever. You watch, you kind of watch from afar appreciatingly. Maybe if you think they're good, you put a little bit of money in or whatever. Bieber stands literally like face to face with her. I don't know how she can still concentrate. If someone was that close in my personal space, I just, my reaction would be to hit them. <laughs> so just this is obviously the most set up thing. Though. He's just standing there with the most like self-conceited, just arms crossed. And you can sort of see her slow down like, are you, are you Justin Bieber? So <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I am. Although his voice is nowhere near that deep. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, it's just to sort of cue a little, you know, I used to do this, follow your dreams moment. Oh and, my goodness. Oh, I just, yeah, I curled up a little bit there. But for the most point, it was a lot lighter on sort of, on oh, no moments um, than I thought it would be. Kids are going to enjoy it though. This, this the kids term, are going to enjoy it. Exactly. I mean, it's the only big release of the film on half term. A few, as you say, No Me and Juliet stuff is already out. Um, so they're obviously banking on this being big. I saw it in the biggest screen at the cinema at quite a prime time and there were 10 people in there. So I don't know whether oh, they've right. oversold demand on this, whether the Bieber fever is over. What's the point um, of the 3D in it, can I ask? It's to just, it, I mean, it's to liven things up. I mean, especially with the con- what bits well, watching concerts, for instance, it makes you wish you were, I mean, watching concerts, you really want to feel like you were there. I and for what, instance, even, even if it's Bieber? Well, <laughs> well, this is a bit different. Um, you know, if you listen, you can just hear the sound just the, the way that the drums, I don't know, kind of carry in an arena. And it really makes you feel like you're at a big gig, which is quite a nice experience, especially if you're a Bieber fan. And the 3D just enhances that. He can come out, he can throw his arm at you. Someone, I remember the Jonas Brothers movie is really famous. I didn't actually see it, but I remember the trailer they always used to throw their guitar picks at you. Um, and it's just it just kind of enhances the experience. So for the concert side, it's not they hardly put it in for anything. It's not worth it. It's obviously just putting in as the whole... It's a whole exercise in money-making, basically, and cashing in. But it is an interesting story. And uh, for for who it's trying to impress, it's going to do really well. And it's got some flashy shots. But apart from that, it's, you know, it's... It, you don't really need to say too much more about it because people who are going to see it are going to see it and people like you aren't. Yeah, okay. So, I yeah. think pod fans, it's fair to say that. I'm yeah, Definitely exactly. not going to see that. Okay, so next up, uh, Yogi Bear. Yogi Bear. So that one Another is there a point of a, of a no? It's just I mean, it's what it's such a short movie. It's barely an hour and twenty minutes. Okay, so this is like a re um, imagining. Yeah. Well, not a reimagining. Bringing him back. Really, yeah, bringing him back for the kids. Yeah. Okay. Um, sort of exposing them to a new audience. Has Yogi Bear um, had his day in this well, era has, of SpongeBob? He has. He's not even pants. sort of retro. He's just kind of a bit gone and forgotten. Yeah. Um, but it was quite an exciting when it was sort of it's Dan Aykroyd doing Yogi Bear and Justin mm-hmm. Timberlake doing Boo Boo. That's I didn't, I couldn't believe it when you told me that. No, I know. I was I was a bit surprised and I was quite intrigued. Cause you think okay, well there you know Justin Timberlake hasn't made too many dud choices when it's come to movies. Dan Aykroyd's had his moments, you know, good and bad. So we'll give it the benefit of the doubt. But, but Dan was... Dan Aykroyd just sounds like he's done, trying to do an impression. Mm. Just of sort of old Yogi Bear, no, no expression. I mean, I know obviously you, you, it's familiar characters. You know, they got their traits. The voice is very famous. The you know, woo woo woo, all sure. that. Um, Justin Timberlake is actually I found quite funny. Just a little nasal voice mm. was quite entertaining. So his bit was good. Dan Aykroyd, I just thought was literally trying to do a fairly poor impression, um, which kind of didn't get too much of a positive response from me. Um, all the adults just look so kind of embarrassed to be there. Anna Faris, the lead in the scary movie movies, has no idea what she's kind of what she's doing, where she is. She's obviously just pitched up somewhere in the middle of Canada, taken her how much, and just you know said a few lines to some little men in green, you know, in costumes with green dots. Right. Um, the main park ranger in it, who's sort of I suppose the lead human actor, 
his teeth are so white and his face is so kind of tanned like uh, fake you know i was just like oh my god this is like a this is supposed to be just a part a man this is supposed to be a man who spends all day in a wooden office but it's the guy that's come straight out of it exactly who's had like a, a, a fake tan slapped on him and just driven over to the set and right yeah, uh, yeah. It didn't. To be fair, it didn't get boring, quote unquote, in its in its eighty minutes. But um, uh, yeah, there was. They have very little to work with, and you know, it's a great big evil logger, a great big, you know, sort of fake ha 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 baddie of a of a sort of corrupt local official, and uh, yeah, not poor. Okay, so quickly then, um, if if you know parents are considering taking their mm. kids to see mm. this film, they get the kids can enjoy it. The kids weren't laughing in the cinema. Right. The kids weren't laughing. Maybe not. The adults not. were. Um, I think they were a bit, you know, special. Yeah. There weren't there weren't many um kids there weren't many kids in there who were laughing. The people with them were, as I say. So uh Strange. I don't know what even though there weren't there weren't really adult references, I mean it's a very kind of babified film. Okay. Uh, it's a ooh, whoop you know, kind of film. So. Okay, right, okay. Um so let's, let's catch up on a couple of films because um it's been a sometimes since the last podcast. Yeah, well it's two... been a weird really like Paul came out on Monday, it's been a weird kind of mix of, of releases. So yeah. This... That's right. So two two big releases that we haven't looked at so far are Never Let Me Go, mm-hmm. um, which has um, received um, you know, from from what I hear fairly sort of um, a mix a mixed response and maybe slightly a, a very slight uh, negative response as well. Um, it's the screenplay is from um, Alex Garland, uh, who of course wrote uh, The Beach, yeah. and um, so your thoughts then Never Let Me Go. Quick, um... Um, I just I mean it. You don't want to give too much away with Never Let Me Go. It's one of those films where people, you talk to people, they're not quite sure how much, you know, how much they know about the story. Basically, essentially, it's a love triangle um, with complications in terms of, you know, obviously it's a complicated situation and the setting in which all these, you know, backdrops, uh, you know, the, the setting of the film is, is, a, is a quite extraordinary one and there's a science fiction element in there, mm-hmm. um, which is quite, you know, it gives the story an edge, um, and it makes it makes everything just a bit more interesting. Um, the act, the three leads, the sort of the only people really worth noting, the only pretty much people in the film, um, Kerry Mulligan, Andrew Garfield, and Kieran Eiley are all very good. Right. Um, they're really good performances. I mean, they're really kind of the young British talent we've got at the moment. Mm. So you've got um, to the be- emerging. So I, I mean, it's really enjoyable to watch. And I mean, especially I mean, he's been getting particular praise for Andrew Garfield, who plays just this incredibly kind of innocent. Um, you know, Kieran Knightley is sort of like the, the the sort of the stuck up tough. Although you know, as we always learn, the, the tough ones usually have that vulnerability underneath. Yeah, you know, sure. as much or more so than everyone else. Uh, Kerry Mulligan is kind of it's kind of her film. She's sort of leading us through it. And Andrew Garfield, because you never really get a sense of you know he's always seen from someone else. You have amazing pathos for him. I mean, his situation is just very sad. Um, again, without going too much into uh, too much into the story, it's basically just it's it's a, it's sort of these issues of you know relationships, time, uh, you know honesty, jealousy, betrayal, all this kind of stuff, and um, it's it's I mean it is yeah it is incredibly depressing. Uh, you don't go away from the film feeling too happy, but you do um, go you more. Don't start feel the film too happy. They could have been. It would have been. There's certainly room in there for more lighter moments. They, they obviously are aware. Oh, we're making a fairly depressing film. Let's put one or two in. But they feel a bit forced, and I think there's room for a bit more humour. And I mean, these are quite naive characters. You could have played around with that a bit more, brought out some humour there. Um, 
Of course, so, it comes from a book originally as well. Exactly, exactly. But you're going to come out of this film and think, you know, that's, you know, well, very well, it's a very well done film. And uh, is, that, mm. is, that, is that right? But uh, you, yeah. you might, your, your mood may be uh, not, not the best. Yeah, it's, it's well, very done. well done. It's really, really well acted. And obviously, it's nice to see a sort of, you know, a good solid British film. But yeah, it, it's quite depressing. Okay, True Grit. True Grit. True Grit sort with uh, Jeff Bridges and uh, Matt Damon. But most notably, Hayley Steinfeld. Fantastic performance. Mm. Yeah, again, so this very is, much her film. And this isn't a um, this isn't a remake. This is a re-envisioning, a re-envisioning yeah. again by the by the Corian brothers yeah. who have Ethan uh, Joel. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> Went for it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, they have um, they've they've rewritten this um, the, the the original book, yeah. and uh, you know people remember the John Wayne version, but this is completely different. Yeah. And your thoughts? My thoughts. Um, it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very good story. I mean, Coen Brothers, not, not to their detriment, but Coen Brothers quite often, it's very rare that you, you really see a beginning, a middle and an end with the Coen Brothers movie, especially the last film they did, A Serious Man, which was kind of bantered around for awards this time last year. Um, yeah, it's very good to look at. It's got a, it's, it's a great story. It's kind of a very epic. It's incredibly old-fashioned, and that, again, is not in a bad way. That's just actually gives it... M- a much better, uh, much greater sense of authenticity for the period in which it's set. So very, um, very quickly, is is literally um, Hayley Steinfeld's character is um, on the on the lookout. She's trying to get the, her her own back and revenge on the person that has just killed her father. Yeah. And uh, enlists the help of of Jeff Bridges' character. Yeah. And uh, of course, they go into collaboration mm-hmm. uh, with with Matt Damon's character, who's who's a Texas uh, marshal mm-hmm. himself. Um, and uh, and you know there's you know there's relationship things between all of them in terms of getting on, not getting on, and looking after each other's back and not you know yeah. and it you know but the it's a it's a very easy story like you say uh, it's just very very well acted yeah personally I couldn't well. see anything wrong with the film no like, yeah no, technically nothing... technically it's flawless yeah in terms of just every I mean I was speaking to someone the other day who just said you know you can't go through it and go okay we don't need that bit do you know what I mean yeah, everything exactly. is as you say just these finite points on the relationships and just you know this beautiful setting you know atmospheric bits you know really kind of just showing the. I mean there's that great scene at the beginning um, with Hayley Steinfeld's um, character trying to sort of trying to extort money yeah. not extort money but trying to get money back negotiating because obviously she goes in there as a what 14 year old girl and you know she's going to be laughed out but you really see you know this is a character this is a force this is a person to be reckoned with and that's the whole point is that she's the most sort of leveled and, and sort of straight headed person out of pretty much every other character in the film there has been as we were saying at the beginning there's been a lot made of the fact that Jeff Bridges um, is kind of you know can't understand a lot of the things he's saying but and the good the good point yeah. about that is that it's not usually at a point that you really really need to know what he said. Exactly. That's good. It's not exactly. good. You're not going to lose things that yeah. he said at points when you you, you when you, it was very important that you I mean, know. he's aware he's doing it. You know, this this is very much a performance choice and mm. you can sort of if if you were an American audience, I think you could get that a lot easier. It's just, you know, obviously we're not as familiar with the dialect or whatever, so But he is a drunk as well. He is a drunk exactly. He's a drunk. He's a cowboy. He's got a big, you know, he's as you say, very grizzled. He's got a massive beard, which he sounds like he's eating half the way through. And Matt Damon's very good in it as well. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's he's good, but he's he's kind of the most forgettable character. I don't know if he and is performer. I thought that. Uh, yeah, I mean, he he. I mean, you see a lot of press for the film, especially Jeff Bridges. Haley Steinfeld is kind of shoved to one side because she's not a name. I sort of when Matt Damon popped up in the film, I went, oh yeah, Matt Damon's in this, isn't he? And then sort of he he goes away and kind of comes back a little bit and you think, oh yeah, he's still here. I mean, he didn't really, 
he was probably he, he wasn't a weakling so much it's so much that everyone else was just very strong well for me I, I i came out of it and thought that his performance was um some was a different sort of matt david you usually see and yeah, I, and no, I thought that, that was that's a, true yeah. really, really good it's um, a very much a supporting role as well which is quite different from from what he's doing at the moment especially he's been the lead very much so recently so. Yeah. and just finally as well um worth not the oscar nominations then for you uh yeah as we say technically yeah uh, Hayley Steinfeld is fantastic. She's best supporting actress, even though the whole film is completely very much hers. Uh, Jeff Bridges, very good. Again, I would personally probably call him up a bit more on the fact that, you know, for a wide audience, for a wide film watching body, um, I had a bit of problem with you know what he was saying sometimes. Uh, best film, I think, very much so because it is very you know um, perfect. And yeah, and the others as well. Great. Okay. Um, so uh, the biggest event in the film calendar is upon us. The 83rd Annual Academy Awards will take place at the Kodak Theatre in Hollywood this weekend. Prepare yourself then for cheese, glitz, superficial everything, but overall the greatest recognition that can be given to a film. So nominations, we need to rattle through this uh, fairly quickly so as not to bore our listeners. Uh, but there are lots of nominations for uh, Best Picture. Let's just quickly rattle through them now. 127 Hours, Black Swan, The Fighter, Inception, The Kids Are All Right, The King's Speech, Winter's Bone, True Grit, The Social Network, and Toy Story 3. It's a lot of films, isn't it? So how do how, why why is that one of all of them not shortlisted down to say a five? It's like a very I know it's a long list. It looks like a sort of list where everyone sort of just goes, um, you couldn't make a decision, so you just went you put them all in there. Yeah, I mean they they sitting on the fence. Yeah, they started they started doing this last year. They opened it up to ten. It was originally five, like most of the traditional other traditional categories. Um, I simply think their ex- their excuse, their kind of reasoning behind it was to give as many films a chance to sort of, as you say, give a look into to just a more rounded group of work. Um, I don't think there's any particular reason. I mean, I think you can definitely identify a few a few pity nominations in there almost. You know, something like 127 Hours, very good film. I think overall people have really said it's kind of James Franco and Danny Boyle. Yeah. Um, you, you know, who are the film I've... So I, I don't know. I think I think I, I mean that hasn't had any real hint of success so far in any of the awards. So I think that's kind of put in there to make up numbers really. Um, Winter's Bone is another one which got a lot of uh, buzz when it came out, and that's kind of gone away. Um, so I think that's probably just in there as a as a pity. But I mean everything else you know is 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 a very much strong contender to yeah. a degree. Okay, so before we go into some some. Uh some predictions yeah uh, let's just quickly look over the best director best actor and best actress categories as well um best director we've got darren avros uh, sorry darren aronofsky for black swan uh, david russell for the fighter <laughs> jeff bridges has come off and it's completely rubbed off from me obviously uh, tom hooper oh. <laughs> the the king's speech david fincher for the death for the social network and joel and ethan cohen for true grits now um been a lot of talk actually about the fact that chris nolan's name is missing yeah. from that list yeah. Uh, for Inception where he's been featured on all the rest of them hasn't he on the, on the Golden Globes and on the BAFTAs as well he was up for, for Best Director but he's not up there for Inception and Inception maybe um, we think uh, possibly the most, most likely the most film of all time yeah, yeah. of course yeah. yeah. I mean how long is that? was that in development as well I mean Inception likely to sweep all the all the technical awards for I the, think so I mean Oscars. it's like what they did with the BAFTAs really isn't it they, mm. sort of, they gave it a big nod they gave it a lot of the technicals it'll probably get the visual effects you know, little ones like, you know, the pernickety ones, maybe sound editing or, you know, hmm. something just to sort of, you know, show, you know, sort of a, a nodded head to it as such. Um, but other than that, I think it's really going to be a case of, you know, um, probably David Fincher, maybe 
Tom Hooper for the King's Speech because I think when it comes to those director and film, it's going to be the battle there. Probably because yeah. it's American, it will probably sway more towards Social Network. But um, yeah, would would be my guess. Okay, Best Actor. Um, we have Best Actor Colin Firth, of course, for the King's Speech. I just saw stop, the King's just stop Speech. There. <laughs> just think he's not no, going to be past no, Colin Firth. No. Um, I saw the King's Speech again actually just the other day, and mm. uh, fantastic. But then again. Uh, people that are up against him including Jesse Eisenberg for The Social Network uh, that's just come out on DVD I watched that again very recently as well and uh, seeing it the second time was definitely um, I, I enjoyed it even more the second time and I think it's one of those films that you can you, The Social Network I'll be able to watch again and again and again just because this, the acting is so superb in it really? but okay. I don't think it's just just from Jesse Eisenberg though that's the best no actor. no I mean there's, again, I mean, Andrew we were saying with Andrew Garfield it was a bit of a surprise that he got left out quite mm. a few you know the big question marks were yeah Christopher Nolan for Inception, Andrew Garfield for um, for Social Network, mm. um, and obviously there was talk of you know at the time Justin Timberlake getting it, maybe even Army Hammer who plays the the Winklevoss twins. Mm. Um, so yeah, no, that's a mystery, but, but I think it's Colin Firth, and I think that's it really. And you think as well, it's pretty much going to be it that Natalie Portman will Probably, get the best actress. Yeah. Okay, so let's um, quickly rattle through um, your quick nom- your quick predictions then, quick fire best picture. Social Network. Really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Mm. Uh, best Director? Social Network. Again? Yeah. Okay. Um, best Actor? King's Speech. Oh, uh, King's Speech, Colin Firth. Best Actress? Uh, Natalie Portman. Best Supporting Actor? Well, it was interesting, actually. It was all set to be Christian Bale and then uh, Jeffrey Rush run at the BAFTAs. Mm. But again, that was a kind of, as I say, you know, obviously we're particularly, I mean, everyone loves the King's Speech. We're, we love it and we're proud of it. Yeah. So... I've... In between the two of them, between Bale and uh, and Rush. Um, yeah, between that, I would probably say Bale still. Okay, best supporting actress. Very open this one. Um, as we were saying, I think it should be it should be Hayley Steinfeld. It, it be should be Hayley but... Steinfeld. It was Helen the Bonham Carter at the Baftas, but I still think it would probably be Melissa Leo Fighter. Okay, um, best foreign language film. Um, Beautiful's I... got a lot of good. Uh, feedback from that one yeah it has but it hasn't really been winning so much in the other categories um i'd probably say in a better world okay just one okay yeah. best original screenplay the options here are for um another year the fighter inception the kids will write and the king's speech kids will write had a great great screenplay and if they were to give something to that because i think it is worthy of definitely mm. something that's one of my favorite films of last yeah, year yeah me too i think screenplay would be ideal for that but Maybe probably King's Speech on its final uh, incarnation, Toy Story yeah. Three to get Best Animation yeah. for you, yeah. uh, Best Adapted Screenplay, 127 Hours, The Social Network, Toy Story Three, True Grit, and Winter's Bone. Ooh, Social Network, bound to be, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Aaron Sorkin's got but, great yeah. stuff about it. Yeah. And and then Inception probably to to win a lot of the other awards. Would you? Would yeah, you imagine? Yeah, stuff like Art Direction. I mean, maybe yeah. Alice in Wonderland, which was you know Art Direction on that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think for the most part, the other little fiddly ones are probably going to be an inception or sort of ones out of left field, really. Mm-hmm. Now, um, if you're waiting for the foreign cinema introduction with Seth, that's coming next week. So uh, definitely something to look forward to. Um, but that's about it for this week's episode of Feature Length. Once again, if you liked it, pass it on however you can. Uh, follow us on Twitter. That's at Feature Length. Subscribe on iTunes by also searching Feature Length. And please do leave your feedback. We'll speak next time. But from myself and Seth, for now, it's goodbye.